people because trying's hard. So if you can if you can get it into your mentality of oh, I'm going to do my best today, then you've got the right to feel good about yourself. I want to be judged on a level playing field. I I, yeah. I really do, and um, I'd like to think that people see the qualities that I've got. I would like people to, and, and I don't just worry about my qualities. I want to get the best out of other people as well. Yeah. Being captain at your home games are the biggest thing you can do. Yes, it is a sports person, no doubt. Yeah. And it wasn't about being captain of the Paralympic team. It was about being captain of a team of 11 other people that completely trusted me. But I had that thing at the back of my mind no I'll be the one that's okay I'll, I'll be walking again I'll be the miracle I'll defy the odds and then it got to a day where I was being measured up for my own wheelchair and it said at the top of the form Steve Brown non-walker it's been a while since our last podcast um, if you're going to do a new one you have to have a stellar guest to kick things off again We've been incredibly fortunate on podcast to have a number of sports people who have pivoted their careers or have a link back to the business world. So, well, today is no exception. We have a Paralympian, a captain from the Great Britain wheelchair rugby team. He's a television presenter, a public speaker, a coach, an all-round inspiration and good guy. I've got to know him over the last eight or so months, um, thanks to an event that Hugh James organised for their clients and partners. Um, an event where we also got to meet lots of other wonderful and inspirational people. We were introduced by Deb Slatehome, who's wife of our very own rugby legend, John Slatehome. Uh, when I asked John to confirm who was the better public speaker, uh, John, Steve Brown or me, because he'd seen us all, um, he said, uh, I'm not going to be drawn on that. Deb jumped straight in and said, uh, John and Steve, I've seen them both. They're both a 10. Um, well, I can now say that that's a lie because I have seen John presenting at Disrupt HR Cambridge at the Milton Keynes edition and I can, f- can f- confirm now he was actually an 11. So I can only assume Steve is too because Deb's judgment is very good. When we were introduced to Steve uh, Brown as a potential associate for Connor, RMD Fraser, and I quote said that, um, so that will make John the second best rugby player in our company then? For those of you who watch the Premiership, you will know Johnson Ollie's flying almost literally, which actually means John could soon not even be the best rugby player in his family. But back to Steve. You will no doubt have seen Steve on TV in programmes such as Country Farm, The One Show, Spring Watch, and as an expert for presenter for the inaugural Invictus Games and the 2016 Rio Paralympic Games. The list goes on and on. He grew up in Kent. And as a sportsman teenager, he had several successful careers, has overcome adversity and setbacks that would be uh, all but the most exceptional. He started off as an area manager for a holiday company, rapidly being promoted and given more responsibility. Then he had a second career, which was all around professional sport. Then he pivoted again and moved into television where he excelled. And right now, he's looking to broaden his experience skill set again. There's lots more we could tell you about Steve. This introduction doesn't really do it justice. One thing's for sure, Steve, the card is the cardboard cutout for why attitudes and behaviours matter so much. And you can pivot your career successfully and make the most of those transferable skills you build up over your lifetime and have the right amount of determination and the right amount of focus. So he's here today to tell us about his incredible story and all about what he's planning to do next as he embarks on a whole host of new incoming experiences and opportunities. So welcome, Steve. Wow, thank you very much. Thank you very much. I mean, the amount of information in there, when you talk about people doing their homework, you really, really have got it all in there. And um, some nice words as well. I appreciate that. And um, coming on board and speaking with you today, Steve, and and the stuff that you do at Connor, you know, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. Fantastic. Well, that's great to hear. And all those words are genuine and authentic because we think a lot of you. Um, you're a great human being doing amazing things. So let's talk about some of that. So 2024 is set to be a big year for sport. We've no doubt you've got one eye on the Olympics and the Paralympics in Paris. What are you most looking forward to? And what will you miss now you're retired from competing? Well, it goes without saying that the wheelchair rugby, huge part of my life. It's done so much for me. Um, I've been so, so much a part of it. 
And that is the, the one thing that my eye is always on when it comes to, to the, the Paralympics. Of course, it's, it's bigger than that, though. It's not just about the, the game, the sport. It's about the people in it as well. And that doesn't just stop with the wheelchair rugby players. That is right across the, the attitude of sports people completely amazes me. And yes, I've been there and I've been part of that. But when you're in the Olympic Village, for example, and you're surrounded by people that have got this attitude of, I only want to be my best. It's not personal. It's not against anybody. You, you, you go out there and, of course, you're, you're competing. But you're not trying to beat them, per se. You're trying to win. You're trying to, to, to be everything that you can be. And it's not about beating the competition. It's about being better than the competition. It's hard to explain. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's all about understanding, realising that you're not the only one that's put everything into it. And when you start to realise that they're all human, everybody there is doing everything that they can, it builds this kind of, of energy. And I love that. And I love being part of that. And now going the other way, I'm going to be there as one of the commentators for, for um, Paris. And when you're then on the outside of that and you're looking inwards, I miss all of the, the tactics, the training, the, the, the years of, of putting plans together. And when you're outside and you're, you're watching those sort of, of plans being executed by, by other Paralympians, other Olympians, Oh, what a rush. Like the feeling it gives you is it's, it's amazing. And I, I'm going to miss that. I always do miss that. Being part of that team is, is something else. And you just want everyone to do well. You just want everyone to yeah. do well because you know how hard they've worked. But it's sport. Not everyone is yeah. going to do well. You know, Absolutely. It's, a competitive, it's a competitive area. It's a big year for you and it's great to hear you're going to be a commentator. That's kind of definitely going to have me glued to the screen and listening in to see what comes out of that. What else are you involved in at the moment? Well, of course, away from sport, um, I've got another season with Escape to the Country, I'm very pleased to say. So I'll be um, carrying on with that, showing people around houses the best that I can. Um, and uh, that's always great. You know, the, the people that you meet, the places that I have the privilege of going to, and and all of that kind of stuff in, on the, in the TV world. I know how fortunate I am to do that, whether it's with Country File, Escape to the Country, the Paralympics, um, the Marathon, Wimbledon. I, I get to be in some real amazing places with really amazing people. And um, sometimes you, you have to pinch yourself about how, how have I got here? And you feel like a fraud, you know? You, you sit there and you think to yourself, these people know what they're doing. These people know what they're talking about. How have I ended up here? But that's the thing, isn't it? You know, everyone has this imposter syndrome. Um, but away from that, um, I'm still very much involved with wheelchair rugby. Um, I do an awful lot of, of coaching and mentoring, not just with... Um, the top end of the game. But the sport's done so much for me. I do a lot of work now at grassroots level, trying to introduce new people into the sport because I know how much it shaped me and it gave me my confidence following my injury and that kind of thing. So it's paying it forward. It's all about trying to think about other people now. Um, I've spent a lot of time being quite selfish and thinking about myself, um, particularly in a sporting environment. And I'm doing what I can now to, to, to pay it forward, to get other people to find their confidence, their strengths, whether that's through coaching sport or mentoring through uh, sport. I do a lot of work, actually, with, with tennis. I don't know how to play tennis, but I know about the, the mental attitude around it. Um, you know, sport is transferable, not, not just from maybe sport to business, but from one sport to another when it comes to having the right kind of attitude. And it's a real privilege and a, a pleasure to be in an environment where I've still got the opportunity to share best practice, to help them mentally prepare and, um, you know, hopefully do as well as they can. Fantastic. And you talk there a lot, you mentioned it multiple times about being a privilege and being a pleasure. And you show some real humility. You talk about pinch it moments. And, you know, me, me talking to you feels the same the other way around, right? I get, I feel really lucky when I'm doing these because I get to talk to some incredible people who've got some incredible lives. 
Um, and so I get the imposter syndrome bit. I get the um, learning and trying to grow, which you're obviously really good at. But you've had plenty of setbacks um, through life and you've, you've still kind of got this amazing attitude. So tell me about that. Yeah, I suppose for me, my attitude, you know, you talk about nature, nurture, you talk about chicken and egg. Where does it come from? Um, is this something that can be taught? You know, all of those sort of things. I I really enjoy targets, measurable accountability targets, you know, where, where you've got some responsibility and I take that to, to a, a, another level, I think. And what I mean is, is that I, I want to do well and it's not yeah. necessarily about me doing well in terms of sport or work. I want to be a good person. Yeah. You know, I want to be somebody that's reliable, somebody that's trustworthy, somebody that people will say, oh, I met Steve and it was a pleasure to meet him. You know, I don't want to let people down. And when you start realising that you're only as good as how people perceive you, that is all, that's all you can do is be the best. And hopefully people will realise that you are somebody that tries and yeah. um, trying is half of the battle. If you can consistently try, you're doing better than most people because trying's hard. So if you can if you can get it into your mentality of I am going to do my best today, yeah, then you've got the right to feel good about yourself. And if you feel good about yourself, you're happy. And if you're happy, you want to try harder. It builds on itself, you know. Um, I don't wake up in the morning with excitement you know i hate getting up to an alarm i hate it but what i hate more than getting up to an alarm is letting people down you know i don't lay in bed pressing snooze snooze <laughs> i set that alarm for a reason yeah and that reason is to go and be proactive and do the best that i can and then at the end of the day i lay in bed and this is where my motivation comes from laying in bed at the end of the day thinking i've not let anyone down i've not missed my targets i've not been late for anything i was polite and nice when i went to the shop you know and it's, it's when you can reflect back on yourself and think i've been honest to myself i've been true to myself that's where my confidence comes from that's where my sense of of having the right to feel good about yourself it, it comes from at the end of the day thinking i've done my best i've yeah. done my best and that's all you've got and so whether it was getting through my injury, which wasn't easy. Yeah. And I'm sure. sure we'll talk about that in more detail later. But whether it's getting through my injury, joining a team, um, working with with businesses and professionals. Yeah. Like, it should be a given, you know. Everyone should be doing their best. Yeah. And yeah. the reason I feel confident in myself is because I know I I know I do. Yeah, nice. I, I completely get that. And we, we've obviously seen that from all the conversations we've had, the things we've looked at together. Um, one of my favourite quotes, it's attributed to you, so I hope it's accurate. It's worth every flat tyre, every muddy set of hands, every wet lap. I want to be judged on my performance. I'm hoping more people will see it's about ability, not disability. So you were talking yeah. there about your injury and you were talking about your mindset. So do you think people get that and they understand it's about your ability and uh, the skills and experience you bring? I hope so. Um, I want to be judged on a level playing field. I, I, yeah. I really do. And um, I'd like to think that people see the qualities that I've got. I would like people to. And, and I don't just worry about my qualities. I want to get the best out of other people as well. Yeah. You know, and and it goes it goes this yin and yang, isn't it? You know, if you can feed off of people and they can feed off of you and it, and it builds momentum, whether that's in sport or in business, that is something that isn't measurable, but everyone knows it's happening. You know, you can feel it and you can feel the energy in the room. And when you can get like-minded people with honesty, honesty and integrity has to be at the heart of, of everything. And when you can start, when you, when you can get that into place, you know, anything becomes possible. And um, when, when you surround yourself with honest, like-minded people, that's when you know you're going in the right direction. Definitely. It's not about, you know, I spend so much time with school children telling them, don't judge your mates on 
on what trainers they wear or how they have their hair or you've got to look beyond that. You, you need to look at the core values and it doesn't mean that you've got the same interests. Yeah. You don't have to have the same interest. You have to have the same attitude. Got it. That is the most important thing. You know, you, you should you should be judging people and surrounding yourself with people with the same attitude as you, not yeah. with the same, you know, because then it builds and it grows and you feed off of each other. And before you know it, yeah. you're motivating each other. It's not about listening to the same music, you know, and that's, and that's what I try and do. Someone's clearly seen that you in before, right, as well, because you previously quoted this as well. I love these quotes from you, by the way. Um, it's been saying being captain at your home games is the biggest thing that you can do. You know, so you were selected as captain, which is obviously someone's seen those strengths in you that you're describing now. Um, and you've told me some great anecdotes and different things about how you work as a team and how, how the mindset's there. And I can just see how that transfers to the business world. But, you know, that was a massive thing for you being kind of uh, captain at the home games. It, it's the biggest thing you can do, though. Does that still hold true? Is that still the biggest thing you've done? Because you've, you've got involved in yeah. loads, haven't you? Yeah, I know. It's funny, isn't it? It's, it's, it's the biggest thing you can do in sport. Let's put yeah. it that way, all right? Yeah, yeah, okay. The, like, life has got – you've got so many arenas in life. You know, using a sporting analogy, you've got whether it's your work, your personal, um, family, friends, um, sports. I don't know. There's there's so many areas, um, you know, arts, crafts is writing books. Now, the, the thing is, is you can only measure something in its own arena. You know, I, I don't think, um, you know, for example, I've got a child on the way now. I'm, I'm so excited about that. And of course, congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. But of course, that's the biggest thing I can do in terms of family. Wow. But how do you compare it to leading a team at the, yeah. the Paralympics? You know, yeah. they're, they're not measurable against each other. And, yeah. and I, I love doing my best in all these different arenas, yeah. you know, and, and reaching the heights that you can in that one and that yeah. one and that one. Um, leading the team being captain at your home games is the biggest thing you can do yes it is a sports person no doubt yeah and it wasn't about being captain of the paralympic team it was about being captain of a team of 11 other people that completely trusted me they completely they wanted me to be their captain and the the idea that maybe 10 years before that they are the same people that motivated me and helped me get through what was maybe the darkest time of my life after my injury and then going full circle for them to want me to lead them you know yeah. that's that's where the pride comes from it's not about anybody else it's not about beyond that it was about those 11 other players and them putting their trust in me that's where the the pride and the the feeling of of self-worth you know yeah. you know it's, it. it's, it's and and the, the belief that they had in me was was where i find my pride for sure absolutely so you know what i'm what i'm hearing so far is you've got a lot of personal belief and personal strength and you know what motivates you, you know what drives you you've just started to touch on the fact that other people can help drive you and kind of move you in positive directions as well yeah. Um, yeah, we often talk about emotional intelligence and social intelligence and that emotional intelligence is like manage yourself first. Know you, you've got to have that self-awareness. And then once you've got that self-awareness, then you can start looking outwards in terms of how you help other people and how you work with other people. And that's um, something you've clearly got bucket loads of. Um, but you, you mentioned also there's obviously points where you were in a darker place and it was kind of that would have been harder. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so my injury, I broke my neck when I was 24. I fell off of a balcony. Um, I was at a friend's house. Um, it was a very honest, you know, it wasn't a, a lad's holiday or anything like that. Not that there's not that there's um, a right or wrong way to have these. I'm just trying to, to, to paint the picture. So I was at a friend's house. It was their birthday. And I was carrying some plates out to the balcony. Um, we was eating out on the balcony, just the two of us. And um, I caught my foot on like the threshold between indoors and outdoors and it was a very simple little slip but in doing it I just didn't have enough enough room on the balcony to to catch my balance 
and um, I fell over the, the side. Uh, when I landed, I landed on my bum, but I was looking up and my head went backwards over my shoulders and I ended up with um, being paralysed from the, the chest downwards and my hands don't work quite properly. I um, was in hospital in Germany for um, a while while I was in intensive care, then I was brought back to England and I went to a hospital called Stoke Mandeville. Stoke Mandeville specialises with the sort of injury that I've had. It was it was really hard, you know, my friends knew I wasn't happy, my family knew I wasn't happy and they had a, a meeting, you know, how, how are we going to motivate Steve? And the first thing my dad said was sport. It's the only thing that's yeah. got him through his childhood, it's the only thing that kept him in school, it's the only thing that has got him a job. Um, and then they introduced me to wheelchair rugby. Now, it took me a long time to actually find the confidence to go down and watch. I didn't want to go out in public, people stopping and staring and kids asking their mums why that man's in a in a wheelchair. You know, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed to be me. I feel I feel silly saying that, but it's it's true. And eventually, after about five months of not going anywhere with the doctors saying, go and see your friends, go and see your family, that kind of thing. I finally went down to go and watch wheelchair rugby. And there I am. I'm trying to stay in my chair. And I'm, you know, nervous and shy. These people playing wheelchair rugby were knocking each other out of their chairs. Yeah, yeah. Full contact. <laughs> and where I was in terms of confidence and personality at that time yeah. to where they were was chalk and cheese. You know, they were so yeah. they were aggressive, they were confident, they were loud, they wasn't worrying about what other people thought. And it was it was those qualities of them not worrying about what other people thought, which is what made everybody admire them so much. You know, it's, it's so strange. And yeah. and I thought to myself, there's no way they've been through what I've been through. There's no sure. way they've got the same injuries as I have. Now, as I explained, I can't move my hands very well. Yeah. When I started looking a little bit closer at these players. Some of them couldn't move their hands at all. Some of them didn't yeah. even have hands to move. And oh. I thought to myself, like, who am I to be sitting here scared and nervous and worried about my future when yeah. there's people here with far less ability and all of them had so little support there as well. You know, they were just doing. And I was surrounded by friends and family and I thought I'm in a privileged situation here. I'm, I'm in a privileged position. I, I need to make the most of myself. And these people, they become my role models. I wanted to be like them. And not because of their disability, but because of their attitude. And I went back to hospital with a completely different outlook. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to get through hospital. And, and now I realise that, I don't know, having help getting in the shower or to the bathroom, getting dressed, was a stepping stone to becoming the best that I could be. Yeah. You know, I needed to go through this process to be able to be like those people that I just watched playing wheelchair yeah. rugby. And they they turned everything around. And I'll never, never forget that first time I was watching. And that's what I mean, yeah. you know, going from there to then being captain of the country where those people inspired me to actually have the confidence to be that person, yeah. you know. The, the impact you can have on somebody else just with a, a smile holding a door open just by being a good person can yeah. absolutely change other people's lives. And I know it because I've been on both sides of it. Yeah, I mean, we, we won't do it justice today, but the, the amount of things you've spoken to me about before, and I know you speak regularly to others about the things that you've gone through, and it's such an inspiring kind of thing to hear. Because, um, you know, having a setback of that nature would rock anyone and, you know, feeling embarrassed, losing confidence. I think they're all things we can get our heads around and kind of to the wrap. I think what's difficult to get your head around is how you get yourself back on track, if you like, and kind of move forward. And, you know, I'm really proud of you listening to you about what you've turned that um, situation into and how you talk about it so openly. Because I think for a lot of people, they find it really hard to even talk about it, right? And you you just described it like it's matter of fact and you you kind of get across that it's happened, we moved on, but look where I am now. And, you know, you should be really proud of who you've become, how you've taken that stuff on board. And I, I can't wait to see where you go next as well. Uh, do you know what, right? It's, it's very nice of you to say all that, Steve. I, I can remember in hospital, 
I cried twice in hospital. Um, the first one was when I had it on on a piece of paper. It was there. I was getting measured up for my first wheelchair. And until then, you're thinking to yourself, no, I'll be the miracle. I'll, I'll walk again and all that kind of stuff. Now, you've got to remember that walking again isn't about somebody tried harder than somebody else. You know, it's, it's everybody wants to be able to walk. And my injury was just a very bad injury, which meant that that was never going to be possible again. Um, I'm very pleased for a lot of people. Their injuries aren't as bad and they do manage to walk again. Now, you know, it, is, it just is what it is. But I had that thing at the back of my mind. No, I'll be the one that's OK. I'll, I'll be walking again. I'll be the miracle. I'll defy the odds. And then it got to a day where I was being measured up for my own wheelchair. And it said at the top of the form, Steve Brown, non-walker. And that was it, you know, that all of those dreams and defying the odds were just crushed. It was there in black and white. I'm being measured up for a wheelchair and it says at the top of the form, non-walker. You know, I burst into tears. It just hit me like a, yeah. a ton of bricks. The second time was a little bit different. I was in my hospital room and I was hungry. So I went over to the fruit bowl to get, a, to get an apple. And as I'm turning in the room, the apple fell off my lap and it rolled under the bed. And it was then that I realised what not, not being able to walk meant. It wasn't just about standing up and walking. to. The, it was all of those other things, reaching stuff, picking stuff up. Um, you know, the things that you need to be able to stand up to do. And it just hit me about what not being able to walk meant. And the frustration and the worry and the anxiety that came with it, I burst into tears. It was because I dropped an apple. I couldn't reach an apple. Yeah. And, you know, the, it was the cleaner. Lou, her name was. She was an amazing lady, an amazing lady. She was far more than a cleaner. She was a pillar of that hospital. And she came in and she said, Steve, what are you crying about? Are you all right? This isn't like you. And I said through sobbing, like, I can't reach the apple. Do you know what she'd done? She came in the room, she walks across to the fruit bowl, she looked at it and went, Steve, what are you worried about? There's three more apples here. And she completely changed my way of thinking. You know, she said it there as a, as a matter of fact. That is now a metaphor I use for everything all the time. But, you know, there's always another apple. There's always yeah. another way. There's always something else you can do. And yeah. that was something clicked when she said that to me. And now I realise that whether it's sport, personal, work, business, it's not about like that one that is unattainable. You yeah. need to look and work out what is obtainable. Just go yeah. and get another apple. And it, and it feels, Steve, like in terms of how you've turned things around, because and we'll go on to more about what happened next, it, it, it doesn't feel like you've just gone for another apple. It feels like you've gone and found a whole orchard because um, <laughs> you've, you've found these amazing things to kind of um, find new opportunities, new apples, as you would, you would describe it with your metaphor. But you know, how did you get into TV? Tell us about that. Well, it came from from sport, really. So um, I spent a lot of time, obviously, learning wheelchair rugby, playing wheelchair rugby. And then it's, it's quite funny, isn't it? On the build up to the um, Rio Paralympics, yeah, it was the last training session of the year, Christmas Eve, and uh, my hand was on the wheel and one of my teammates crashed into my elbow. And when they'd done it, my hand and my arm all went forwards, but my thumb was caught on the wheel and it, it dislocated. It ended up in, in my arm somewhere. And um, that injury meant that I was going to be fit and ready for Rio. Uh, I had to have operations and this and that. Isn't it crazy? You break your neck and you get in the team. You break your thumb and you're kicked out of the team, you know, only in Paralympic sport, eh? Yeah. But um, but it was from from there. And then I, I went home and I told my family that I wasn't going to be part of the team anymore. I'd lost my place in the team and lost my captaincy. But I, I had no direction at all. Everything that I had done was all about winning medals at the Paralympics. That's all I was worried about. But what I didn't realise was the skills, the attributes, the people that I had met and the, the, the qualities that I had, I had grown with through sport. And then I got a phone call. It was the BBC. They said, Steve, we understand you've been dropped from the squad and you're not going to Rio. 
And I was all right, thanks for rubbing it in, you know. Yeah. You know, I only found out yesterday myself, but you know, sport and the media are very entwined. So they said, they said, Steve, we're not phoning for an interview. It's nothing like that. We've got the Invictus Games coming up. But we need somebody to teach Prince Harry and the soldiers how to play wheelchair rugby. Are you available? I was like, yeah, I think I can do that. Oh, you know, I've put, the, I've, put the, I've put the phone down to them and um, I get another phone call. It was This time it was Channel 4 saying, Steve, you understand you've, you've, you've um, been injured. You're not going to Rio anymore. This time I was like, no, I'm not. How can I help? You know, <laughs> and um, and so so from from there, they asked me to come and do some um, punditry and all of that kind of thing. You know, nobody knows more about Paralympic sport and wheelchair rugby than you. If you can't go as part of the playing team, can you come as part of the, the media team? And that's where it all started. You know, it started from taking what I knew into a new environment. You know, yeah. the, the subject was still the same, but now I was using those skills and qualities and being reliable, being able to work under pressure, being um, able to, with timekeeping and thinking on my feet and communicating. But now instead of doing it as part of the team, I was doing it as a pundit. And then from there, it sort of went, do you know what, Steve, you're pretty good at this talking malarkey. Have you got any other hobbies or interests? And I said, yeah, I do. And one thing led to another and I started broadening my horizons. Um, wildlife has always been a big part of my life, huge part. And it's amazing what you can learn about yourself um, just by being out in the countryside. Yeah. And um, so then I started doing country fire, which led on to escape to the country. And so I've got these two different streams. And I've also done bits with Blue Planet UK and David Attenborough and that kind of thing. Wow. So my, t- my TV stuff is sport and wildlife, you know, very different yeah. areas. It's amazing how much of the same skill set you need in both. Yeah, yeah. No, I can, I can completely get it. And it's obviously easier to get and understand because seeing you in it and seeing where you've come from. Um, it, you know, there's some, some amazing kind of things to kind of do. So you have the disappointment of not going to Rio Paralympics and being able to compete and win a medal, which would no doubt would have been a shoo-in. Um, and then you get these new opportunities, which you kind of grab and you kind of go, right, this is this is great. Let's make this happen. So you, you pivoted career a couple of times because, you know, it's worth saying as well, before um, you, your accident, you were also... Uh, had a successful career then so you've you've had three successful careers um you know tell us about some of the skills and the experiences and the attitudes you've learned along the way that you'll carry forward with you yeah for me people call them soft skills you know they're soft they're not soft skills they're hard skills to master you know, we call them then, human skills here. Yeah, human <laughs> skills. Yeah, exactly. And this is just it. The 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 whole idea of empathy, honesty. You know, like being honest all of the time is really hard. You know, taking responsibility and ownership when things go wrong, um, not making excuses when you're late and owning it. You know, yeah. that kind of thing. But then, if if you are going to be honest with people about why you're late. And then your and your answer is well because I pressed snooze too many times, you know. If you, all of a sudden if you think to yourself right, I'm going to be honest. I'm not going to blame the traffic. I'm not going to. You get there on time, you know. It's, it's if you gonna if you take responsibility, then you realise you don't want to let people down. And if so, then if you're going to be honest with that responsibility, all of a sudden you start doing very well because you know that if you can be honest with it. You're not, you don't want to say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm late. I know you was all here on time, but I just pressed snooze too many times. I couldn't be bothered. You know, you're not going to say that. So it means you're going to get there on time. And, and these sort of skills, one of the things that I know that helped me a lot with the transfer from sport to television, you know, live TV is an amazing rush. You know, and it's just just like sporting a lot of you've got to think on your feet. You've got to be on time. You can't be late for live television. You know, the same as you can't be late for sport. Um, so you've got to be reliable. You've got to plan. You've got to get there. And, and you've got to remember as well that very often the same as coaching, the same as mentoring, the same as being a sports person. My job when I'm interviewing somebody on, on television isn't to be the best. It's my job 
to get the best out of them. You know, you, you yeah. want the interview, you've got to do your notes, you've got to do your homework, you've got to listen to the count in your ear to make sure you finish on time. But all of that kind of stuff, but it's all about putting the person you're interviewing at ease, yeah. making them be the centre of attention. And it's, I'm it's writing this very, down to see if we can improve the last bit because my skills obviously aren't as good as yours. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this is just it. This is just it. I am at ease. I do feel comfortable. You know, you've Bless done you. your you've done your planning and prep. You know, it's 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 all the right things to be able to put somebody that's being interviewed at ease. And yeah. and and Thank then you. I've I've realised now that. That just carries on through everything in life. You know, yeah. putting people at ease, making them feel valued, making them feel like they're listened to. You know, it's not about owning the situation, it's about sharing the situation. And when you can start doing that, and you, you realize then that people feel valued, people feel motivated, yeah, yeah. and they, they feel like they're part of something. You need to share, it's not about owning. You know, and that's a leadership quality, right? So we, we would call it servant leadership, right? When you're focused on doing what's best for your team, um, you know, and it's like, what can I do to unblock this for you? What can I do to help you with that? Um, it's not a, I'm in charge, I'm powerful, because that's doomed to failure, right? So it, it's what can you do to help the people because they are part of your success. And it sounds like you've got that in abundance, but you also could do it the other way around. So, you know, just some of the things I've picked up today, you know, you've got attitudes and behaviors that are off the scale good in terms of what people will see out there. You've got leadership skills. Um, you've got um, human skills, as we were talking about before, as what, what some people might call soft skills, what you call hard skills. Um, you've got all of this experience. Um, and I know you've got way more than that, because I think about the times we've spoken where you've kind of gone, right, in this situation, I'd do this, Steve. And you take me through a situation, I think, brilliant, and I kind of get to learn. Uh, and you, you really... Um, magnanimous you're really humble you offer that advice um you, you never kind of think of it as something you've got control or power of and i see that all the time and i want to see you know other people benefit from that as well so it's great you told us right at the start of today you know you've got some great opportunities coming up this year with commentary um you know with a renewal of a series um but i know you know with the with the new arrival on the way who, who I understand is due uh, on a fantastic day because um, it's my birthday. I'm, I'm sure you've planned that, Steve. Thank you for that. Um, so they, they're in good company, apparently. Um, you've already mentioned Prince Harry. They're, they're due on the same day Prince William was born, so we'll just sneak that in while we're there. But uh, I know you're looking, as you kind of move into um, the next phase of your career, to potentially transition again. So you, you want to kind of keep your foot in with, if you like, of all of the great things that you get involved in, in a, a Paralympic year, why why wouldn't you? Um, you know, it's something that's meant so much to you. But, you know, there's there's opportunities you want to look at outside of that now. So tell us a bit more about that. What's an ideal job look like for you? Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? It's all, my life as it's been so far, I, it's, it's tricky to not call it selfish. You know, even when you're an athlete, Everything has to evolve around you, you know, what time you eat, what you eat, what you do. You know, it might be your partner's birthday and she wants to go out for a nice meal and have a glass of wine, share, you know, share an evening with you. And then you're there going, well, sorry, love, I've got to get up at half past six for swimming tomorrow. And, you know, I'm not yeah. drinking. This, you know, I'm not drinking this year, you know. And, and now I want I've spent a lot of time learning to be very disciplined um, because I had to be. But it comes at a cost to the people around you because your lifestyle as an athlete doesn't fit with day-to-day -day life. It just doesn't. And so now I want to start being a little bit more normal, should we say, in terms of I want to share my evenings with my partner. I want to go out and celebrate her birthday and we share a bottle of wine at a nice Italian, you know, those sort of things that that couldn't happen before. I've got a child on the way. I'm over the moon and excited about this. So happy. We spent four years trying with IVF. You know, it's, wow. it's been a long road to do it. But what I want then is the stability that, that comes with that. You know, sport and, and television are very hit and miss in terms of 
is it going to happen? Isn't it going to happen? Am I going to be good enough? Am I going to be called up? All that kind of thing. And, you know, you yeah. say about um, these different arenas, it was two years after I started with television. I got I won the best new on screen talent award. You know, so no surprise there. You see, see, that should have been in my intro at the start, shouldn't it? I should have led with that. (laughs) So I'm very proud of of my areas and and what I've done. But what I want to be proud of now is being a good dad and being reliable. Um, If I could be half the dad my dad was to me, I'll be doing all right. You know, my dad was a fantastic dad. He still is a fantastic dad. but that's what I want to be now is I want to be able to be reliable yeah. and being reliable means that you need some sort of stability, some sort of, of, of plan. And what I want to do now is I want to, yes, I enjoy my um, life work balance the way it is with the sport, but you know, that I'm going to be away for three weeks over the Paralympics whilst Beck is here with, with the baby that's going to be six or seven weeks old at the time, yeah. you know, and, and these, it comes at a cost and now moving forwards doing something that's a little bit more monday to friday with yeah. with a, a plan where i know where i'm going to be and and you know it's going to be a little bit more structure to my life because yeah. then in turn i can give structure to my partner's life and our child's life yeah um and so so that's what i'm looking for it needs to be target driven it needs to have people in it you know, that like the, the, the change. I don't want to change the way I work in terms of yeah. the people, um, the, the, the mentoring, the coaching, the getting the best out of people. I want to change where I work, you know, where I use those skills, where I, I put it. those efforts. I do a lot of public speaking and that kind yeah. of thing already. And I love that being in a business environment, helping people yeah. get the best out of people is something that I, I always want to do. I don't want to change that part of what I do, no, whether it's exactly. interviewing, coaching, mentoring. I want to help get the best out of people. Yeah, but the invite exactly. is time for me to change the environment I do that in. That makes complete sense. And I think, you know, for anyone that's listening to this and they kind of want to reach out to Steve because they're interested in all of the skills he's got and the experience he can bring to your organisation, let us know. We're more than happy to put you in touch and kind of see what we can do to help promote what is a wonderful human being with a fantastic set of experiences and skill sets that are truly inspiring. Um, so you, right now, you'd be what we would call hot, um, top talent or uh, you know, we've we kind of got um, a hot prospect coming to market. Uh, and it, we kind of love uh, spending time with you. Um, and, you know, we, we want to get you more involved in stuff that happens here. But, you know, you've been to Connor's office, you spoke to us, you know, um, what did you find? How, what What can you tell us about us? Did you, Did you enjoy it? Am I going to regret asking this? <laughs> <laughs> no, you won't. You won't regret asking this because what I loved it was very quick and easy to see that the team that you've got is is really quite um, unique in the way of its dynamics, how you you interact with each other, the way that you you talk to each other, the honesty that you obviously have across across Connor. Um, speaks volumes to me you know I came in and I thought to myself I am surrounded by people that think the same as me it reminded me of being in my team at the Paralympics you know surrounded by like-minded people it doesn't mean we all listen to the same music we all like the same food we all have the same dress sense it's bigger than that it's beyond that you, Connor aren't a group of people that have come together because they all like doing the same thing. Connor have come together because they're like-minded. And that is a brilliant, brilliant attitude to have. It's, it's, it's my attitude. <laughs> Steam's company, when we're hearing that about ourselves, that's lovely to hear. It's a real pleasure when you kind of came up to us and we popped out for a bit of lunch. And it's been great spending time talking to you since and kind of following where you're at. Um, you know, there's so much more I kind of want to follow and see how you go. Um, it, it's been a real pleasure. But it, let's do some quick fire questions right now. So tell me, what's the best job you've ever had? Best job I've ever had would have been when I was a cleaner on the holiday yeah. resort. When I very first started working abroad, that was because it's where I learned a sense of pride. 
everything wow. that I had done before that in my life was all about making sure I was happy. Working yeah. as a cleaner and as um, on reception for a holiday company was all about making other people happy. And I realized how much you can be happy by making other people happy. It was completely shifted me. I went from being selfish to proud to do well for other people. No doubt about that'll it. That'll be an answer that'll surprise people given all the stuff we've talked about already today and the amazing things that you've done. Okay, so what was your worst job you've done? Probably being a cleaner for a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> because, because not everyone's the same, are they? You know, you've got... It, you get a, a whole array of guests, a whole array of expectations. And um, for every person that I felt it was great to make them happy, it was great to, there was the next customer maybe didn't think it was important to make sure I was happy. You know? It's, that makes perfect it's, sense. So you're pointing there, I think, at like how important others' attitudes are to you in terms of making it a great job or, uh, you know, a less than ideal job. So, Let's take that to its natural conclusion. Like, what what's included in your next perfect job? What's going to be in it? What's not? Yeah. See, I mean, moving forwards, I, I I want good people. That's I love surrounding myself with good people. I think that comes across. Um, and then I need something where it's it's measurable in terms of outcomes. It doesn't mean that every step of it. It is um, where I'm comparing myself to to other things or expectations, but I, I need to have people. I need to have goals, and that is where I find my motivation. Without doubt, you know, it's 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 all about working with other people for 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 a common goal, working together. Um, and it, it just I don't know what came first, that attitude or sport. But either which way, sport gave me the opportunity to hone that. Got it. Working, yeah. working with different people for a similar goal. It's not all about being best friends. It's not all about, it's just all about everyone trusting each other, being respectful and honest. And if yeah. I'm in a team like that, you know, that is, that's all I could, I dream for that. I love it. And that seems like a world away from the world of wildlife. So tell us a bit more about that. Yeah. Well, th that's just it, isn't it? Um, I love people. I love being surrounded by people, but you also need to be able to turn off. You need to be able to to, to let your guard down, let the air out, and just just slow down a little bit. And that's where I love going out bird watching or just going for drives and walks out yeah. in the countryside. I love it. And do you know what? Again, you go out bird watching. You need attention to detail. You need patience. You know, when when you're working in a busy office or you're playing sport. You need attention to detail. You need patience. And it's, it's amazing how much overlap there is from sport to wildlife watching. You know, like, but it's the same skills in a completely different environment. And it's, it's like I say, the skills are the same, but I love a change of environment. Maybe that's why I've gone from sport to TV to area manager to because I, I love the challenge. Or, yeah. or, and I love putting myself in different environments. And wildlife, something that my dad introduced me to at a very early age, um, taught me a lot of empathy, taught me a lot of respect, taught me that, yeah. you know, you're sitting there saying you've had a bad day. And then you've got, you know, the weather that we've been having recently and there's birds trying to build their nests. And we're, we're sitting here saying how tricky our day is, you know? Yeah. And it might be a funny way my of comparing it. Yeah, that's right. It might be a funny way of comparing it, but... You know, a couple of a couple of weeks' time, we're going to have the swallows flying 6,000 miles to be here. They get yeah. here, they start making nests, they breed. It doesn't matter what the weather is or or how much food's available. They've got to go and do it, you know? And we've got life of Riley, really, haven't we? You I know? love it. It's a, it's a great way of looking at it, right? You've got those two contrasting things. And you know I love sport and you know I love wildlife. And the way you've described it completely resonates with me but we're kind of coming to the end now so have you got any final messages that uh, you'd want to share we haven't talked about so far yeah i suppose one one of the things that strikes me a lot let's say um, i'm going to the shop people will see that holding the door open for me makes my life easier you know so we get to the shop they hold the door open i say thank you and i go in they know that they've done something that has helped me of course like don't ever imagine that just because 
somebody can hope, can open the door themselves, they won't make a difference if you hold it open for them. You know, you, you never know what's going on inside. From externally, people can see, oh, that's helped me, you know, holding the door open for me makes it easier for me. But mentally, I'm very happy. Mentally, I'm really quite self-assured now, you know, I'm confident in myself. You never know what's going on on the inside of somebody. You never know what they're going through. And it is not comparable. You can't, everyone's experiences of the same thing are, are individual. You know, you can't judge or, or compare yourself to other people. You know, always hold the door open for somebody. You know, always hold the door open. Always imagine that somebody's having a bad day because then all you'll do is make it better. You know, just support each other, look out for each other yeah. and, you know, a, a happy world, a world where I want to live. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, you've made my life better today, just spending time with you as, a, as I knew you would, you always do. You know, I'm, as soon as we finish, I'm off out to pick some more apples because that metaphor never leaves me every time we, we talk about it. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure. Pleasure's mine. Thank you. Cheers, Steve. No problem at all. Thank you. As ever, it's been a delight to bring you another podcast and quite an unbelievable opportunity to speak to Steve Brown in a Paralympic year of all times. So you heard it here first. Steve is on the market and looking to transfer his skills to a new challenge. Uh, we would love to find Steve's next role. Indeed, we encourage you to reach out to us. There are so many things to take away from today about Steve's journey and so much more we could talk about. If you're a client and want Steve to come and speak to your people or get involved in one of your events, get in touch. We'd be delighted for Steve to put on the kind of hat and come and help you with your people issues and solutions. And if you want him to kind of come in and work with you directly in another capacity, we'd love to put you in touch as well. Um, if you're looking for help uh, from your HR, organisational change, people development, um, HR strategy, project work, and you want kind of to support us, then obviously get in touch uh, in the normal ways. Um, again, we'd just like to thank Steve for his generosity of time today. It's been a brilliant um, a podcast for me to be involved in. Um, I love spending time with Steve and uh, I, I'm going to sign out from there. Thank you very much. See you all soon.